This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Hello and welcome to the Behold podcast. This is Dan, and I humbly greet you from our humble studios here at Valley Bible Church. I'm joined today by two brothers. We're keeping it all in the family. These guys are not only my brothers in Christ, but they're actually blood brothers, hey, related. Hey. Please give it up from wherever you are for the Greenaway Bros. Yeah. And a special shout out to Sean. We miss you. We do miss you, Sean. Um, in the country that you're in. Like, where is he at again? He's in Spain right now. Spain. Wow. Yeah. He's, uh, he's doing something with someone uh, techie. Some yeah, yeah, semiconductor yeah. thing. So mm-hmm. business, Shout not out. pleasure. Yes, exactly. Um, he's he's working hard, um, keeping his dad's company going. Um, so we love you, Sean. But man, w- what a what a special occasion to have both of you guys on the pod. Stephen, how are you feeling about uh, having your older brother here? Do you do you ever get any <laughs> um, do you ever get any you know brotherly competition or any you know sibling rivalry type of things going when you guys are in the same space together? Not really. Not in social settings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if we're playing a game. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, we're about to dive into this in a little bit, but <laughs> we were at a staff retreat last week. That's why we didn't have a podcast last week, because we were, as a whole VBC staff, we were up in the mountains retreating and connecting and just having our cups filled. And so when we came back, we kind of hit the ground running, and a lot of us had a bunch of different things to catch up on. So. Thanks for giving us patience for not being in your feed last week. But while we were up there, we did have some free time, and we we played some some very serious ping pong yes. matches. And, man, you guys should have seen this this uh, ping pong setup. I mean, it, it was like those, um, those hard plastic, you know, one-piece paddles, mm-hmm. which are they're tough to deal with. And then the board that, that we were playing on, <laughs> we call it a ping pong board, whatever. Yeah. It was, uh, it looked like it had been outside for about 30 years. I mean, it was weathered and chipped and the paint was all scratched yeah, off. And, uneven. Yeah. It was basically like a ply, plywood with a little chip L- paint little on top paint, of it. Yeah. And we, so we were out there battling the elements and, uh, <laughs> we and had mosquitoes. Some, mosquitoes were out there too. Us. Dude, we had some, some epic matches, um. I'm not going to tell you who was the weakest link. It doesn't who matter. Was the strongest link, link, but <laughs> it was definitely made apparent a couple different times. But it was uh, it was the three of us plus Sean. We were we were going at it all weekend. It was pretty fun. Doubles. Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean, just I know a lot of people were praying for us. Those that knew that we were away as a staff, they were praying for just a, a rich, meaningful time, and I think the Lord really answered those prayers. And so, why don't we just share just a little bit? just kind of go around and what was the takeaway or what do you feel like God did in your heart and mind and, and, and our staff and just how are you guys encouraged? Yeah. Um, I think for me, as much as uh, I learned in just what was taught on, um, my favorite part was getting to just spend time uh, listening and talking with and, um, playing ping pong and eating meals and um, just getting to know the staff. We have such a big, big staff, um, big team, and we just don't get that 
quality time. We might be in the same spaces, but just not that quality time of getting to know each other. And I think the more we can get to know each other, the better and stronger team we can be. So that was just super encouraging. Yeah, there's nothing like getting away and having that extended time. You, I mean, you guys doing student ministries, you guys, a big part of your ministries is trips, getting people kind of out of their context, and you spend all day together, and there's just a different—you connect in a different way. So that's—I definitely experienced that. It's beautiful. What about yeah. you, Stephen? Yeah, I think we spend a ton of time with each other as staff, and— with that said, there's not as much really being with each other and getting to know each other and sharing hearts, what's going on, the stuff that we're struggling with, the things that are joyful that are going on in our lives and that we're grateful for and just strengthening that bond and in the context of trying to you know, be more effective in our own roles but also you know, aligning ourselves to one goal as a church. I think those, it's just a really valuable time to get that connection with each other. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And one of the things I thought was really special about the time is Randy White reached out to a friend of his who's a, who's a pastor at a church in Cache Valley. And he's been serving in vocational ministry for 30 years, 30 plus years. And he came as our guest speaker. His name is Larry Vold. He's from Three Crosses Church. And man, that it was so cool for us to have just an outsider, you know, like a different perspective, just share with us. It was challenging. It just was refreshing. And Man, I don't know about you guys, but I just really res- like gained a lot of respect from him just throughout the sessions and just kind of formed like a, I feel like we formed like a kindred bond with him. And uh, I think we even talked about, man, we'd love to have him come back and encourage our staff sometime in the, in the future. So mm. that was really great to have some different perspective and, and just really help us maybe think about some things that we, 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 we wouldn't have thought about on our own, you know? So I really love that. And then you, you know me, I'm, I'm always going to, the highlight for me is always going to be the prayer and worship times, right? Mm-hmm. We, we brought some guitars and there was a piano and we had like some percussion things and we just, man, we just really pursued the Lord together and praised him. And there was uh, just beautiful, spontaneous times of prayer and sharing and, you know, around the campfire and, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in, just in the meeting hall and, uh, just very moving and, you know, just charged my battery up a lot to yeah. have that time with you guys. It was awesome. It was great. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for praying and for letting us get away as a staff. And we hope that you guys will see the, the benefit and the fruit of us doing that in the various ministries in the months to come. Amen. All right. Well, let's let's get on with it. We're back to the Gospel of Luke. We're continuing in our series, Glimpses of Glory, and we're moving at just a a, a nice pace with it. Some might say a snail's pace, but we're in chapter 11, and we started this series way back in Christmas of last year, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but Christmas is pretty much right around the corner, so, Mm. Um, and we're still not not all the way done, and that's okay. We love it. 
So we're in chapter 11, verses 27 through 36. Nate covered that for us this week at the crossing and last week at the Ultima. And if you've been following along with the story, basically Jesus has been proclaiming his kingdom, teaching with authority, doing signs and wonders, healing people, um, raising people from the dead, casting out demons. And the the point we are in the story now is the heat's starting to get turned up a little bit on Jesus. His detractors and the people that are threatened by him, the religious elites and the cultural uh, uppities are starting to really... Um, they're starting to, to really be outspoken against Jesus and his kingdom and what he's saying. And so this section here um, basically contrasts the blessing of putting your faith and trust in Jesus and his proclamation of his kingdom, trusting him at his word and obeying him versus uh, a harsh warning against those who are stubbornly opposing him. Hmm. And so Nate covered both of those things and it, as always, when when Jesus when Jesus speaks up against his those that oppose him, man, it's it, there's some there's some stark, harsh kind of kind of things that he has to say. And if you think about it, man, all the stuff that Jesus teaches and the things that are recorded in his gospels, man, it's he's uh, if he's not Lord, if he's not uh, divine, then man, it's it's pretty wild stuff that he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. But for those that trust him as king and Lord and savior and want to be in his kingdom, it's incredible blessing and incredible life. And so just as you guys were listening to Nate's message, what were some things that that stuck out to you? Let's just kind of maybe make some initial observations from this, this section. What do you guys think? Yeah, I liked the, how Jesus brings up the, the Queen of Sheba and the men of Nineveh and how both of them responded in a powerful way to God's God's call on them. Yeah, through, his kingdom unfolding, whatever yeah, however you want to say through, it. Through through lesser prophets, uh mm-hmm. through through people who are not Jesus, who are not God. And how their belief caused action which caused a change of life and caused motion you know doers not just hearers and using that to call out the generation that they were in at the time just you're hearing and you're like wanting more and more wanting more signs and I am like the biggest sign and you're still not doing you know you're just hearing and so it's not just a matter of oh you need more signs it's a matter of your heart is not one that is open to being a doer of the word you don't want to do what god says yeah let's talk about that for a little bit nate had this great analogy he said let's say you're on the on the way to disneyland with your family or, or your friends or whatever and you stop halfway down, down, you know, interstate five. And it says like Disneyland, you know, 150 miles away, you know, and then you pull over at that sign and, and you're just like, wow, here's the sign. Like 
you know what? I, I want a bigger sign. I want a flashier sign. I want to take a picture with this sign, and 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 that would be insane, right? The 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 sign is pointing to the thing you want. Don't don't necessarily make the sign the thing, and <clears throat> so that was something that Jesus had for that generation at that time. But how do you guys feel like that applies to us? You know, in our modern world that we live in right now, the people we minister to, like, do you guys see that same kind of, uh, attitude or that same kind of desire to kind of camp out at the sign? What do you guys think? Yeah, it it is a good question to, to chew on. What are people waiting for, um, before they follow Jesus? Um, and before they, they give their lives to him. I, I know, some people who claim to follow Jesus, but not all of what he says. Yeah. So it's like, they're not all in or whatever. Yeah. It's like a picking and choosing because, and it's like, well, yeah. Why do people have such a hard time going all in and following Jesus? It, did he not, does he not give enough proof or evidence? Like at this chapter in Luke eleven twenty nine, um, Jesus is saying this is a generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. He's already done a lot of miracles at this point. Right. And he, it's kind of funny because he says no more signs yeah. except I'm going to give you the biggest sign. So like, I'm yeah. And, and so, but even, yeah, so it's like, I wonder what people were waiting for at that point to really follow him. What 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 did he need to do in their minds? You know, and and even today, what what would God need to do to prove that they should give go all in for Jesus? Yeah, I'm just. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, yeah, it's like what. So let's just say there was this, you know, kind of supernatural phenomenon in the sky. You know, let's say, sure, Jesus wrote. You know, I love you, like a hand, or or yeah, or or there was, you know, Jesus's face in a in a burnt piece of toast or something. You know what I mean? Like, right? Whatever kind of crazy cosmic sign. Um, do you guys really think that people would that that would do it for people? Right. You know, like don't we live in a in a in a time and place where every, we explain everything away? Right. Everything has some kind of like scientific explanation. Right. If you're, if you're not, if you're not a spiritual person, if you're not thinking in terms of the metaphysical or, or supernatural and you're just, you're a naturalist, right? You, everything is like what I can see and taste and touch and, and observe and all that stuff. If you see some kind of phenomenon in the sky, like what is it actually even going to do? Yeah. Yeah. What do, yeah. You, what do you think, Steve? Yeah. What, is there a sign or what, why do people, why is it so hard for? Yeah, I think it's similar to this situation where it's getting more to the point that, Hey, I don't think you need a sign. I don't think that's what you need. I think your heart's just not in the right spot. Mm -hmm. And because (laughs) I mean, with, with the, we're in an age of knowledge and there's just so much knowledge about everything. And we're actually going through a series called reason in the high school ministry. And I just talked about this a couple weeks ago, just how, (laughs) just how, like DNA, we understand the concept of DNA now, and 
in one of our cells, uh, there's just so much DNA. Mm. There's and in our bodies, there's enough DNA to go around the world 1.25 million times. That's crazy. If just you, in one you, human, you mean? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And and that's and and that's just one cell. That's wow. just enough DNA in one cell to be able to go around. And uh, oh, sorry, there's six there's six feet. It, six feet of DNA in each in cell, each cell yeah. and then we have trillions of cells, cells in our yeah. body, and so you can go around the world that many times. And it's not so much that it's just uh, a ton of information. Ama- yeah, it's a ton of information. It's specific information that's sending a message that is working in your body. Yeah. So it's just not only is it so complex. And intricate, uh, unimaginably complex, but it's also a message being sent that is intelligible and is working. Yeah. Like, that is just so incredible. Like, it just screams to me, and not to everybody, but it screams to me that there is a designer, and there's a designer that has a wonderful mind, unimaginably wonderful mind, and wonderfully powerful, and... Loving because he's creating this world um, and calling into relationship with it. And but that's enough for me. Yeah. (laughs) And I think part of that is just because of where I'm at. And I understand that other people need will say that they need other reasons. Right. Um, But I do think Jesus is calling out here that. At some point, you have enough reasons and you are saying that you want more reasons and then you'll change your mind. But at some point, it gets – you're at a point where Hmm. you don't need any more reasons. It's just your heart. Your heart is too hard. Oh, it's so good. I mean I love so much of what you just said. And when we were up at the staff retreat, one of the sessions we covered was – a spiritual health inventory. You guys remember this? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Larry Vold had on that inventory was like, if you're a spiritually healthy person, you have a diminishing gap between knowing and doing. Right. So it's mm-hmm. this idea of like you, as you continue to grow up spiritually and become mature, there's less stuff that you know you need to do that you don't do. <laughs> Does that make sense? And he had he had this interesting thought experiment, right? He said, what would happen if, this would be tragic, but what would happen if all of our copies and prints of scripture and all of our online copies, and if we, if we lost everything that we have right now in terms of the word of God, would, would we as the church in America... Would we have enough? Would we would we would we know enough? There's no more podcasts or sermons to watch online. Like, would would we do we know enough to follow Jesus at this point? Mm. And it was an interesting thought experiment because I think a lot of times we, like you said, Stephen, in the age of information, even in the church, we're like, give me more, like teach me more. I want to learn, 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 learn but we're not doing or applying the things that we're learning, right? Yeah. And Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 28, he said, 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? Keep it. Mm-hmm. Keep it. Right? Blessed are those who are doers of the word, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right? And Stephen, what you said too, like, is the the hang up that we have, a lot of times the our our need for a sign or our need for some kind of confirmation is really just a front for something that's going on inside of our heart. Do you guys mm-hmm. know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the amazing things that we've been learning in this series is that Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to institute this new covenant that God wants to make with man. Mm. And the key component of that is God says, I'm going to take away your heart of stone and I'm going to give you my heart instead. And it's going to be a heart that's alive, a heart of flesh. And it's from that heart that you'll be able to, it'll cause you, that heart will cause you to be obedient to my word. Right. So it's, it'll be an authentic inside out type of obedience. And I think sometimes people say they want more confirmation or they want to know more. They want to have their questions answered more, but really that's just a front for their heart just is, is just cold and dead and stony. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think it starts with somebody acknowledging that they, they have a need. Yeah. And for for me to for me to be interested in listening or changing i have to i have to see that there's something better or i have to experience in myself a depravity or a a missing piece that i'm yeah. like i can't i haven't been able to f- figure this out so i need somebody else in a sense i need a savior <laughs> yeah um and you know jonah when he showed up in nineveh he basically called him out and said, repent or you're going to be destroyed. Yeah. And they were able to look around and do a self-reflection and go. It's like almost like they were ready. It was almost like their city was ready because they just saw how evil they had become. Wow. And and so when he said it, they're like, yep, let's do it. We need to change. Whatever it takes. We need to change to the point of the animals. We're going to have the animals repent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, and then, yes. Yeah, so, and for us today, um, for somebody to actually make that turn, there have to be at a point where they, hmm. they acknowledge that they need somebody to save them. Well, and maybe, that, maybe yeah. that's one of the big problems with our, with our modern ages. Yeah. We don't, we think that we're good. We think that we're walking in the light, but really, there's all kinds of darkness around. Yeah, and it might be a lot based on where we live in our time period of the world. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, Jesus ends kind of with a warning talking about that idea of light, of lightness and darkness and just, the, the again, a, a contrast between those who are, who want to receive the blessing of of following after Christ and, and contrasting that with um, the destruction that will come for those who oppose him and just a beautiful picture of, of, of light and darkness. What'd you guys get out of that section? I'll chew on the, the first part. Yeah. Um, no one in verse 33 of Luke 11, uh, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Um, if you've ever been in a blackout, you know, and you get a candle or you get 
a flashlight, let's just use a candle, you put it somewhere that it'll shine the brightest. And it's like an acknowledgement of like, how can this, how can I be, how can I use this to be most useful to us in this darkness? And the opposite of that would be, yeah, to put it under a blanket or to put it out. And so for me, what I was just wrestling with is looking at my own life and going, okay, God has, Jesus is the light of the world and um, he dwells in me. I am now an ambassador for him. Right. Am I intentionally, in a sense, putting myself in situations where I can shine the brightest Hmm. or am I allowing the cares of the world or my own selfish ambitions or insecurities um, to dim that light and, Mm. or to hide, you know, and am I hiding? (laughs) Is my faith hidden um, from people around me? That's something I've been chewing on. Yeah, and what what conclusion have you came to? Anything? <laughs> anything yeah, I, 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 uh, that's a tough. I mean, I think we all need to think that along those lines. But yeah, for you personally, where has that landed? I, yeah, and reflecting on it um, on Sunday, um, there was just a, a few people that lived very close to me that um, I have definitely avoided. Hmm. Um, and I've been kind and, you know, when I see them, you know, I say hello, but I have not been intentional about putting myself or our family in positions where we really can reflect the light of Christ. Um, and I won't, you know, share their names (laughs) on air, but, um, I just had a conversation with one of them today. And so it's kind of, kind of the start of, yeah, just reflecting on where am I hiding? Yeah. Who am I hiding from? Yeah. And I need to put myself out there. Totally. How do you how do you guys keep that from how do you guys keep that um that feeling of maybe conviction on track? Because it's so easy for that to turn into despair. Oh man, I'm not doing the right thing and I need to work more and do more. So God will love me, you know, like how do you guys keep that, the motivation pure when God brings something to your attention that you need to Hmm. adjust or, or walk, you know, maybe you've been in rebellion and you need to, you need to walk, start walking in obedience. Like how do you keep that from being, you know, kind of a, um, a legalistic pursuit? Silence on the airwaves. I asked, maybe it's either asked a really good question or a really bad question. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I personally do not wrestle anymore with I'm a bad guy because I haven't shared shared my faith with my neighbor. Yeah. Um, I've accepted that grace is God's, you know, grace for me has all to do with him and nothing to do with me. That's so, good. so he's not up there pointing his giving me finger spanking but so i don't go there personally go there anymore of like beating myself up yeah for me and it sounds like maybe just focusing on god's grace was the ticket for you maybe on that um yeah that reality that 
that God doesn't need me. He does not need me. Yeah. And and so I can let the weight come off of myself mm-hmm. and just be um yeah, just so so yeah, I don't beat myself up. But um I like as far as keeping myself accountable, um I just yeah, I genuinely reflect and be like, and I'm genuinely like, wow. God asked, Jesus asked me to do this. So I need to do it. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact. Like when I, I may not understand it. It may, it may feel uncomfortable, but he asked me to do it. I need to do it. And after I do it, I'll understand. Yeah. You know, I'll understand. Good. And it's similar to how I parent my children. Like regularly I'll ask Avery to do something. Six year old, our six year old daughter. And her first response is what, you know, yeah, like, yeah. What? you know, and, and I, I remind her, Hey, uh, as your dad, you know, God has asked you to honor me and, and you honor me by obeying. Yeah. And, uh, just trust me. Do you trust so me? I, I, yeah. I need you to say yes, dad. Okay. I'm willing to do that now after you do it, or if you have a question, that's, that's one thing. Um, ask me a question, but don't blow me off. Yeah. You know, that's good. And yeah. so, yeah, that's kind of how I view when God asked me to do something to do it. Yeah. That's good. What about you, Steven? Yeah. I think there's, there's an, there's the love aspect of it, mm. which is a hard one because I think in Growing up with other imperfect humans, your concept of what a love relationship looks like can help paint God's love for you and your relationship with God in a bad way. Hmm. (laughs) And, you know, feeling like, okay, God's asked me to be a doer of the word. Oh, therefore it's, this isn't love and this isn't. Uh, or this is legalistic or something like that rather than, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to communicate my love to God. Like God's love language in some sense is us obeying him. Yeah. And, and that's how we bless him. That's how we bless ourselves. And in first John, it talks about how in chapter four, I believe how this is how you know that you love the children of God when you fear God and obey his commandments. So you're like, whoa. So me obeying God is an opportunity for me to bless him, bless me, and bless others. Wow. And when I choose not to do that, that seems like a terrible deal. Yeah, Because exactly. <laughs> I'm missing out on so much blessing. Like the whole world is missing out, or the everybody that I love, including myself, wow. is missing out on that blessing. And so I try to frame it in that sense, not, not like clamming up like, oh, God's trying to control me. No, he's trying to call me into something greater, greater than I can even comprehend. Dude, that's so good. And Uh, that's, I'm not saying I'm good at it, Sure. but that's where my head, I've been trying to train in that, just seeing that God's giving me so many opportunities. Yeah. And I'm missing out. And it's funny we're talking about Jonah because in in Jonah's prayer in the belly of the whale or the big fish, yeah. he says, uh, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit or turn away from God's steadfast love. 
Wow. Like you're, you're like turning away from blessing yeah. and, and you're missing out. Yeah. And not that God's stopping, he stopped loving you, but you're missing out on engaging that love, which is blessing God's heart, blessing your heart and mm. blessing other people's hearts. Dude, that's so, so good. So, I mean, these are great motivations, right? It's like motivated by trust, motivated by love and blessing. And I'll just add one on top to in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says some very similar things. Uh, it's the section where he's talking about salt and light in the Sermon on the Mount. And so he, you know, he talks about how we are the salt of the earth and it's our job to, you know, to season and preserve this, you know, decaying world. Um, and then he goes in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world, which is interesting because in other places in his teachings, he says, I'm the light of the world. So, I mean, that's right. How, how that's the type of fellowship and unity that Jesus wants to have with us. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. like, you're going to be so closely united with me that you're going to, just as I'm the light of the world, you are now going to be the light of the world. That's pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And so he says a similar thing. He's like, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Uh, you know, when you have a light, you put it on a, a lampstand so that everybody can see it, right? Um, and he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that's another great motivation is not only will I grow in my trust and my relationship to God, my Father, not only will I experience incredible uh, relational love and blessing, but if I let my light shine before men, those people (laughs) that see it will give glory to God. It's worship. Like my life can help other people worship, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just a beautiful thing. Mm. So maybe those are some, some motivators that can kind of help us keep on track so that, because it's so easy for this, this gospel proclamation to become uh, something we do out of duty or something that we, we do begrudgingly, or we, we, we do to try to earn God's favor. And mm. so it's just so important. We have the, the proper motivation. Yeah. And in, in, uh, in verse 36, Maybe this would be a cool thing for us to chew on. Um, it says uh, of Luke 11, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Um, I'm focusing a little bit on having no dark part. You know, how do we know if we have a dark part hmm. in our life? You know, what do you guys think? Yeah, the I instantly go back to verse 35. Therefore, be careful lest the light mm-hmm. in you be darkness. And that word careful is to, like, investigate. Like, mm-hmm. be very intentional and study yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and And have God study, you know, uh, Psalm 139, you know, test me, know me and show me if there's any idolatrous way in me, lead yeah. me in the way everlasting. I think for me, and I'm convicted by this, I need to be asking God to search me, to yeah. know me and show me the way that I need to be going. Yeah. Um, show me where I think something in me is light and actually it's dark mm. and I just, I'm deceived, you know, help, help show me that. 
Dude, that's so good. Yeah, and I like to th- I like to, I like just this little phrase I like to to throw out is it, I call that process like prayerful introspective thought, right? So I'm it's something prayerful. It's something I'm doing with God. I'm inviting Him in, mm-hmm. and it's introspective meaning I'm. I'm I'm going inward. I'm looking mm-hmm. at my inward person and evaluating my thoughts and my attitudes mm-hmm. and my intentions. And what's so cool about that process is the the Holy Spirit enables it. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit empowers it. And so it's something that man like no one nobody knows the mind of someone like the spirit that resides in that someone. Right. And so the spirit of God is with, is in our inner being with our own spirit. And so it's like a, it's like a, an amazing like line of communication that is better than any other type. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's real and it's unhindered. It's like you're, you're the spirit searches everything in us and knows everything. And so if we just ask him to show us, he, you know, and then what else is cool too is guess what the, the spirit also knows the mind of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have the same spirit in us that is in union with God. Like, yeah. and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I was also thinking about, you know, first John chapter one, five through seven talks about this, uh, this other idea of like walking in the light as he is in the light. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you, if you basically, if you are honest about <laughs> the darkness that you have in your life, right? If you, if you basically come to grips with, Hey, I, I know I'm not perfect. And I know there's brokenness that I'm dealing with. And I know there's, there's rebellion in my life. And I know that there's issues that I have going on. Then it gives you an opportunity to, to walk in the light as he is in the light. And a component of that in that passage is not only will our fellowship with God improve, but our fellowship with each other will improve. Mm. And so I think there's also a component to, like you were saying to add to what you said, Stephen is not only do we have to have to invite the spirit of God in for that prayerful introspective thought, but we also have to invite our brothers and sisters in, right. You know, to, to help us walk in the light. That's kind of, and that's, when we when we talk about like a deep diver, ask God to search us, reveal to us, you know, where's the dark spots? It, yeah. it it keeps me. It got me thinking about. I was barbecuing last night for a group of guys, and I, you know, I always use now. I use a uh, a meat thermometer. Nice. So I stick it in, and it tells me is this healthy. In other words, can I can we eat this? Is this yeah. healthy to eat or not? Right. That's cool. And uh, I'm a medium rare guy. Me too. Hey, thanks, thanks for the invite, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sh- I wish um, I could have been there to enjoy You got to join the, every other Tuesday night men's group. Okay. All right. Um, consider take, that. Yeah, we're taking uh, members. Okay. Um, but for us, like, what's our thermometer? Or how do we know? And I think you're right. Like, we have conviction from the spirit. Yes. Which we've been masters at ignoring that. <laughs> since we were children. Right. And, but that's in a sense, the first line of defense or first line yeah. of, and then we have the people around us, you know, as a child, we have our parents and our parents see what we're doing because we've ignored the spirit or we've ignored 
what God has built into us to tell us that's wrong. Yes. And we have our parents, and then our parents will tell us, or maybe an older sibling. And I think as we get older, we have, if you're married, you have your wife. If you have children, you have your children. Um, They are people that when we are having conflict with them, or they don't like us or whatever, we could ignore it, ignore it, or we gotta, or we can go. We need to lean into this because these are people God has put into my life to help expose me, the darkness. To expose the darkness, and um, that's yeah, that's why the importance of being in relationships with people is so crucial. Yeah, um, even bigger, even if you don't have like a husband or a wife or children, you got to be in community in doing life, even outside of a Bible study where you're doing life and you can, and you, your real colors show. Yeah, exactly. And then it's they like people have an need to observe you in your natural habitat. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, yeah. Um, how is this person? Yeah, exactly. And then, then they have the opportunity to call you out and hopefully in a healthy way. But even if it's not, and there's, there's some situations that, that some, unf- you know, you know, the ways that, we call out a brother or sister is just unhealthy yeah, or unbiblical, unbiblical, even, right? but nonetheless, the call out, um, is still important. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice. Like how do I, how do I in a healthy biblical way bring something to a brother that mm-hmm. It's it's a darkness that I've observed in them, right? Yeah. Jesus warns about, hey, don't don't go after the speck in your brother's eyes when you've got a plank coming out of your eyes, right? So, hey, right. the door swings both ways, you know. Make sure you're you're the type of person that is open to evaluation if you're going to be giving the evaluation, yeah. right? Um, there's the whole Matthew 18 thing of like, hey, don't go gossiping and talking yeah. about something. Go straight to that person, you know. And then, if it doesn't work, here's here's what you do, right? Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of um, you know, Paul teaches about, about church discipline, right? What do we do if, if someone's not responsive, you know, how do we treat them for the purpose of restoration, you know? And, um, so it's, it's a, it's a skill that I think we need to probably get better at, you know, there, there's tact involved, there's, uh, having the right motivations, there's going about it with the right protocols, you know? So it's that, that's a conversation, you know, we could dive into, uh, for hours if we wanted to, but, but I think the, I think the principle is, man, if we really want to have walk in the light as he is in the light, we have to have those types of relationships where people will do that. Let's, let's end our time just talking about something that will hopefully be really encouraging. Mm. So Nate challenged us in our reflection and discussion questions to recall our first impressions of Jesus or the first time when God's love in Christ kind of arrested our hearts, like it grabbed our attention. And, you know, what what was that experience like for you? And I know the three of us have similar backgrounds in terms of growing up in families where we, we heard the name of Jesus at an early age and, mm. and we made professions at a relatively early age. But I would just love for each of us just to share briefly what was the what was the first time that you know, the love of God in Christ really just kind of just grabbed you. Yeah. For, for me, I was, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family, which is such a beautiful thing taught, taught me the, 
Bible and just who Jesus was demonstrated that. Uh, but I just lived a double life for the most part. Just when I was around Christians, I tried to be a Christian. And when I was around non-believers, I would just be doing my own thing. And so for years, I just did whatever made me feel good, yeah. whatever seemed good to my eyes, I would go for. And it just destroyed me in many ways. And left me there was there was fun and delight involved uh, but it would just leave me more and more depressed Hmm. and that brought me all the way up until my sophomore summer when i went on the navajo outreach um i you know i i had realized just being out there away from all your coping mechanisms and you know just really focusing in on what God's doing in this community and what he's doing in you. I was just very introspective and I, you know, just was honest with the Lord that, you know, my way was failing me. And the only way that I haven't really tried that I wanted to try, um, was God's way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had said I was all about God's way, but, I knew in my heart I never really gave my everything to Jesus. And in that moment, just people popped up in my mind that loved God, that had lives that I admired, that had loved me, and they claimed that it was all because of Jesus and what he had done in their life Mm -hmm. when they made him the Lord of their life. And so for me, I was like, okay, God, like there are these, I have seen people doing. Yeah. And it's affected me in a beautiful way. And they're the people that I admire the most in my life. Maybe there's something to this. Hmm. So, I mean, in my naive way, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to try you out for a year. (laughs) That right. was my, that was my dumb. I'm gonna go all in for high schooler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and but I was, I mean, it was genuine. It was naive, but it was very genuine. I was yeah. like, okay, God, I'm gonna do everything that you say to do. I'm gonna wow. make you the. In, I didn't have the verbiage for it at the time, but basically, I'm making you the Lord of my life. Yeah, and, you know, my naiveness was like, I'll do it for a year. <laughs> but like God just totally revolutionized my life, transformed my heart, it's so cool. made me, blessed me in so many ways. Um, I mean, tough stuff was tough stuff is always going on. You know, right. I'm not saying all of a sudden everything rainbows got, and sunshine. Yeah, but like yeah. there were there there was a lot of beauty that He blessed me with, and then even in the difficult, He took those things and caused them to grow me or. Yeah. to teach me something to to make good out of it um so yeah yeah and just like like all of his promises that he says in scripture for his children they just came they were true you know yeah. i put i i put those promises into practice tested them you know like uh you know god says he'll do this will he do it and he did yeah and so that's that that was kind of where yeah. the lord filled my life with light 
was when I was finally like, okay, God, I'm pretty sure what I think is light in me is really dark Mm. (laughs) and I'm just super depressed. So I'm going to try your light, which you say is the real light, you know, and it was. Yeah, it's cool. Like my, my story is very similar to that where it's like, you know, Hmm. super loving family. And I heard the gospel at an early age and made a profession of faith at an early age. But, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to experience the love of your family, like your blood, you know, they're like, are kind of supposed to love you, you know? But (laughs) when I finally started like getting into the, the family of God, and like, cause for so long I just was rebellious towards church. I like, didn't want to go. I had a bad attitude. I was constantly cutting up, getting in trouble, all that kind of thing. I like hated going to church, you know, but that all started to change for me when, when I was getting into high school and these high school leaders were like showing me unconditional love. Like I was a punk. Like I was like not a fun person to be around, but these people like wanted to invest in me and they, they believed in me and they, they like not only said it, but they proved it with their actions, you know? Mm. And I started to like realize like, man, here's these people have no reason to love me. (laughs) They have no reason to treat me with kindness. And yet they are. Mm. And, you know, I found a, I really found like a belonging there. And, and so God really, the love of God in Christ was really first arrested me through people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they had experienced the love of God and they were sharing it with me. And that was what really kind of piqued my interest. And, and then the second part of that was, I remember going away to this camp where we, you know, it was a youth camp, like pretty standard stuff, you know? But one of the things that they, that the teacher was going over was in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, where Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. And he says, basically everything that I've been teaching you to his disciples, he's saying this, everything I've been teaching you, the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's, he's been around you. He's been with you, but later he's going to be in you. And what he's going to do, part of that work in you, is he's going to take all the things I've been teaching you and make them real to you. So you're not just going to have to trust me on my word. You will, but you're you're going to have some help <laughs> because you're going to be able to experience these things that I've promised. Mm. So it's not like, it's not just this cold, dead knowledge like, well, just trust it and, and hope it all works out. It's like, no, you're going to have help, comfort, guidance. You're going to you're not just going to have to know that I love you. You're going to experience my love through my spirit who lives in you. And that was total mind blow. Like that, like that, like changed everything for me, Hmm. you know? And so I finally started to like basically partner with the Holy spirit in Hmm. this transformation work that he, that God wanted to do in my life. And that was where everything kind of really changed for me. So, but are you saying that you started surrendering to the Spirit's will, and then just got to see and experience? Yeah, yeah, faithfulness. Like, or? Totally. No, I think that's a, that's that's exactly it. And it, it it was like it was kind of like a missing piece, hmm. you know. Like it, it it was like the last puzzle piece that kind of needed to click in, where it's like, oh, this is this is. Um, this is some, this is real for me, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause I think a lot of times we, we get, we get, 
wary of like experience and feelings mm-hmm. and and it's like whoa like, you know yeah the heart is e- e- easily deceived exactly you know, is this yeah right and so I think and and it's good to be wary of it to a degree but I think that wariness sometimes makes us miss the component that God intended yeah. for for us to experience through the Holy Spirit yeah <laughs> you know so like there there is like there is a an emotional heart level feeling component to our faith <laughs> and mm-hmm. to our, our pursuit of God. And that was the piece that for me, when it comes to the love of Christ, like I knew he loved me. I knew he showed it on the cross, but I needed to experience it. And, and basically learning about the role of the Holy spirit and then partnering with him in that mm. is what made it click for me. That's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Luke, take us home. <laughs> I'll let you guys decide. I could tell you the first time when God's love grabbed my attention, or I could tell you how it's playing out today. Ooh, I, I like the, let's do the today one. <laughs> the today. That's my vote. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, to, to, to what? You know, how do we know, how do I know if, if what's going on in my heart is from the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Is it just me selfish pursuing? Am I just distracted and I want to get off of what I'm doing now and do something different? I don't, you know, um, that's a tough challenge. And I think God puts brothers and sisters in our lives too, that we could run these, run these ideas, run these convictions off there in their minds. You know, what do you think about that? And do you think it's worth pursuing or anyways, um, starting off when we were, I don't know, we were probably Stephen, Stephen was probably like seven. I was probably 10. We stepped into our first, um, therapy, family therapy session, um, when we were kids and, um, I had my first experience with a Christian therapist. Um, her name was Jackie and, um, she, provided God allowed her to provide a, like a breath of fresh air in my life at 10 years old wow. and just felt hope um, that was dwindling, you know, yeah. with what was going on in, in the family, which God has completely healed. And um, my, my dad's one of my best friends now and my parents are falling more in love with each other so <laughs> in cool. their sixties uh, and seventies than before. But Anyways, I've had a desire to be a marriage and family therapist ever since that point. Cool. But I've made an excuse to push it aside, push it aside, um, every reason to not do it. There's never a good time. And um, recently um, felt the conviction from the Lord, I believe it's from the Lord, (laughs) uh, to stop making excuses and and just take a step of faith and um, start working on my master's. So just had a meeting before I met with you guys here today um, on the phone with the president of a a college that offers online programs for MFTs. And, um, yeah, so I – it's kind of a scary thought to go back to college again (laughs) and to, um, you know, what if – you know, what if I don't prioritize prioritize my kids enough or my spouse enough or ministry enough? You know, what if yeah. this is just a distraction? 
And I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know it's been on my heart for a long time. And I am willing to step out in faith and do it. And I'm excited to see what God does in that step. Wow. And so That's incredible. I think, um, yeah, just um, I feel like God is grabbing my attention. He grabbed my attention with this decision to do this. And um, I want to be obedient to him. So, wow. and it's so cool too, because it's motivated by, again, this, this idea that God first loved us, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not choking up. Uh, although it's a beautiful thought. I'm actually <laughs> physically choking. Um, uh, but yeah, just, just that we love because he first loved us and your pursuit in this degree is not for status or to make more money or you, you just, you want to be obedient. You want to love God in return by being obedient to what he's calling you to do. And you want to, uh, love, love other people, you know, by being a a loving therapist, you know? And I just think that's, that's really beautiful. Christian. Yeah. Christian therapist that I was, it's, there's very few and there's very few good ones out there now. And it's, sad to me yeah yeah um well that's so cool man well that we just became like a news breaking podcast yeah that's like that's huge Um, (laughs) that's real hot off the yeah if you uh (laughs) congratulations to you that's your that's your bonus for sticking with us this this late into the podcast and for bearing with my congestion i'm fighting a cold i'm sure you guys all could hear that (laughs) but uh hey we love you guys so much thanks for for listening um there's uh there's help for you. You know, if you, if you're hearing these things and you're, you're feeling lost or discouraged, or you just don't know where to go from here, please reach out to, to one of us. All of our emails are on the website. Um, I'm sure many of you have our phone numbers. You could call the office. Um, you know, we're, we love to come alongside our faith family here and help them learn how to walk in light and to, um, to be doers of the word and just to experience the, lo- the love of God through Christ. So mm. we love you guys. Um, have a blessed week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. See ya. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.